The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hi, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is your host, Joey Bushnell. Today I'm going to be speaking to one of the world's top online marketers, Yannick Silva. Yannick is the author of Maverick Startup and he's also the founder of The Underground Online Seminar, which is one of the online marketing industry's biggest events, and Maverick 1000, which is one of the industry's most exciting mastermind groups. Go to maverickmba.com to find out more. Yannick, thank you very much for being with me today. Yeah, excited. Yannick, can you tell us how you got into internet marketing and copywriting? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to make a long story short, I guess, uh, so how I got into copywriting is kind of interesting. It was uh, literally a, a bit of a synchronistic event, I guess, or a bit of an accidental maybe event. Though there probably are no accidents. Mm-hmm. And I used to work for my dad's business. And when I was 14, I was uh, telemarketing latex gloves, medical equipment sales and service. And when I was 16, the deal was that I could get a car, but I had to go, go cold call on doctors. And so pretty quickly, I realized that sort of sucked. And I had a doctor client of mine who was a good client who I outfitted his entire office, and he gave me a Jay Abraham tape when I was like 18 or 17 maybe. And, and I just like was like, wow, this is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of led me on this whole path of, Dan Kennedy and Ted Nicholas and Gary Halbert and, you know, I can name a hundred others. And then it's just, I just started studying as much as I possibly could on direct response because, well, first where I was, I wanted to get out of cold calling. And then so I quickly realized that I could send out a letter or, or an ad and have actually doctors calling me and, um, and, and driving business that way. And on the scale of 1 to 10, when 10 they're ready to buy, I was talking to doctors that were, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10. As before, I was talking to doctors, you know, everywhere from 1 to 10 on the scale of ready to buy. And, you know, owning my direct kind of copywriting skills there, it also allowed me to start selling very complicated pieces of equipment that previously we were only selling face-to-face. So that's how, like, that direct response copywriting side came about. And that was, you know, 90, 96, 97, 98, and then, like, 99, I didn't even have a website, or uh, well, definitely didn't have a website, I didn't even have an email account. And I started taking, just started looking at the Internet, and literally, I was like, wow, this is interesting. There's uh, people out there that are using direct response techniques and that are selling information, and that's, you know, that's exactly what I wanted to do. I could see where the leverage was with that, and literally it, I had an idea at 3 o'clock in the morning in uh, January 2000, and that was for a website called Instant Sales Letters, mm-hmm. and where we're filling the blank sales letter templates for any sort of business owner, and pretty quickly they, uh, we got on track to sell. I don't know, within like three months we were on track, three or four months we were on track to do uh, six figures that year. Uh, and, and that's when, you know, people started asking me, hey, how did you do this, and, and can you help me do the same thing? So kind of a, a long about answer where everything sort of leads up to itself, really. And now you're spoken of in the same breath as the same guys that you used to study. That's pretty cool. It's, it's, it's been an interesting full circle on, on that part, for sure, yeah. um, because uh, I've presented many times on Dan Kennedy events, and uh, I've had a chance to hang out with Jay Abraham and, and a very private, just one-on-one kind of 
kind of opportunity. And it's uh, it's been it's been really cool to to be able to spend time with people that I considered uh, my mentors, I guess, from before. Absolutely, very cool indeed. So you talk a lot about being a maverick entrepreneur. So first of all, what is a maverick entrepreneur, and why do you recommend that kind of lifestyle? Yeah, so for for what I I define a maverick entrepreneur, it's someone who isn't satisfied with the status quo. They're looking to grow their business, their their lifestyle, their their happiness, and take it to a to a different level. And really, if you drew three interconnecting circles, and well, you're you're British, so let's say we write down the pound sign, or you know, for us, we're always writing the dollar sign, but you know, whichever sign you like there in one circle, and then you make a, a happy face in the other circle, and in the other interconnecting circle, you, you create a heart, and really, you can break it down to, at, at its simplest, it's, you know, make more, have more fun, and, and give more. And I think where those really interconnect is, is what a maverick entrepreneur is. And they, they realize that there's more than just the bottom line. Uh, and, you know, pretty quickly, the pursuit of only the bottom line becomes a fairly empty goal, and but the actually having having a greater impact increases your bottom line. Having having more fun uh, increases your bottom line. And we, you know we can talk about a few examples of those maybe throughout the interview. But but it's been it's been interesting how those are interconnected mm-hmm. uh, entrepreneurial lives. So what sort of things do you get up to? There's lots of cool pictures on your website, Yannick. What sort of stuff do you do in your spare time? In my spare time, uh, loads of spare time, I, I try and integrate. I mean, you see this more and more right now. It feels like entrepreneurs they they are integrating their life and their business. And the more the more you can do that, the less there's a distinct kind of um, distinct one or the other. And so for me, you know, my, my spare time is also you know partially my my business, and it's it's I originally created something called Maverick Business Adventures, which is all about working with entrepreneurs and, and doing some of my favorite things, which were unique adventures and brainstorming high-level business ideas and having some sort of philanthropic charitable aspect normally with young entrepreneurs. So try and push it all together. And so in my spare time, you know, you might find me, I don't know, we've done everything from uh, scuba diving in between tectonic plates in Iceland um, to... I don't know, uh, going Baja racing in Mexico with dune buggies and I've uh, jumped out of airplanes at 30,000 feet with an oxygen mask. And, and so that kind of stuff is, is fun for me. And that also, you know, sets up a space to come up with new kind of innovative ideas. It changes your thinking in some different way. And then uh, when you can combine it with some aspect that, that has an impact or a ripple effect uh, or giving, then there's, it, you know, it's, it seems like it's the most uh, self less thing you can do, but it really it's totally self-serving because in a pragmatic way, many times you'll find that your, your business and, and you know, your, your entire outlook increases the more, the more you're actually doing good like that. So it's, it's interesting how those two things that most business owners may not really focus on mm-hmm. is their happiness or the, the way that they're, they're giving or creating any sort of impact. And those actually have a, a direct impact on, uh, on their money. I'm sure that everyone listening would love to have that kind of a lifestyle. And a lot of people turn to internet marketing to try to be the vehicle to achieve that kind of a lifestyle. But unfortunately, the majority of people never actually do achieve such a lifestyle or become financially free. So my question is, why do you think that a lot of people fail and don't succeed? And what are the successful people doing differently? 
Uh, I think your your last word was pretty. That's pretty spot on. You said differently, mm-hmm. and if um, it, it's pretty hard to come into, you know, the internet basically is a global marketplace, and the world is flat, sort of thing. And you know, there could be someone from India competing against you if you live in the states or in the UK, or you know, someone from the Netherlands or whatever the case is. And so, you know, the days of uh, if you have a local shop and you sell, I don't know, let's just say cupcakes, then you might have a little bit of a monopoly until someone else rolls into your, your neighborhood and sells cupcakes too. Mm-hmm. But online, if you're selling cupcakes, you know, you're competing against probably, I don't know, 50, 100 different cupcakers out there that might ship. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important to have that differentiation point and figuring out what, what does make you different and how how you can have exceptional value that you provide for, for your end, end customer, whoever they are. And, and for me, one of our internal values that we always try and teach is that, you know, we, I get rich by enriching others 10 times to 100 times uh, what I provide them in, in return. So we're always looking at where, what's that value proposition? How do we exponentially increase it? And part of that is in that differentiation. And people really... If they're if they're only trying to copy somebody else, they're gonna come across as a pretty poor replica. And the more they can be authentic to themselves, and you know, trying it sounds I don't know the advice maybe sounds almost trite, like be yourself and you'll succeed online. But that's that's really what it comes down to. And the closer you can get to having that authentic voice and for your business or for yourself, if you're trying to be uh, the the expert there yourself, the better you'll do. And and that's that's probably one of the, one of the biggest ones, and then it's about figuring out some of the uh, some of the tactics and some of the, the the very pragmatic sort of things around. Okay, where do I go? Where where can I go spend money or or invest my time so that I'll have a positive return? And then how do I keep doing that so that it keeps providing a positive return for me? And you know, learning about copywriting is certainly a one of those skills that can have a massively positive uh, impact on on how you can do online. But there's there's skill set stuff, and then there's more strategic thinking and positioning stuff as well. Yannick, you talk about 34 rules for maverick entrepreneurs. Would you mind just revealing a couple of those rules? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, one of them is, is what we just talked about, that 10x to 100 times in value. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a, that's a really big one. And I don't have I don't have a list in front of me as far as uh, I can't give you the numbers, mm-hmm. uh, but we can we can talk about a few of them. Uh, one of them is that you should, I said a lot almost before I say it because, uh, because it was one of the rules that I didn't follow in my last uh, startup and it, and, it, and it cost me a lot, was that you should, um, that bootstrapping is actually good for you mm-hmm. and, uh, and you don't need a lot of money, especially it even, it, conversely it even hurts you to have too much money when you're starting up a, a business many times because you'll just keep throwing money at a, at a problem instead of figuring out what the business model is and how it works. Um, another one is that you you can you can and you should make your business fun and doing business with you fun. Um, so you know people are are pretty much they're pretty bored with most generic companies and offerings and so on. And the more you can create personality and and even an experience for people, the better. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, I founded the Underground Online Seminar. And, you know, that, that's also an example of another Maverick rule, which is uh, go, go the opposite direction of your competitors. Um, so a lot of these really intersect. And so 
we create a lot of fun and we create a lot of experience uh, at those events. But the the rule of going going in different directions. So there's there still are uh, there maybe not as many. But when I first started that event eight years ago, there's a ton of internet seminars out there teaching internet marketing, and they're all put on by the exact same people uh, who had you know the exact same speakers showing up, and and they were the ones that were just selling here's how to make money based on how I, I've made money selling how to make money on the internet. That wasn't that interesting to me and I created this event where going the opposite direction was we brought in all these people who were making a great big fortune online, many times millions of dollars online, but they weren't the well-known people. So they were totally underground. And then so with that we had a spy theme and every event is different with a unique spy experience and, and keeping it fun and, and that's how we, you know, Follow the other Maverick rule of uh, making it fun to do business with you as well, and so people are, are, are always looking for okay, what's next, and you know how how do I have some sort of engagement that that you can have with this this customer and and this uh, this prospect. So that's one of a couple of them. And people can get the full thirty four rules if they opt in on your site, can't they? So if they want to know more, they can go there. Is that right? Yeah, if you go to maverickmba.com, uh, which is my blog, you can you can uh, opt in, get the entire book. Uh, it's actually uh, a, that that bl- the blog post about the thirty four rules had about four hundred some comments, and that sort of forced me to create a book that expounded on it a little bit. And that's how that's how that came about. I know that you've got a strong background in copywriting, and that's how it all began for you. A lot of people have trouble selling whatever it is that they're trying to sell online. And it's especially difficult if they don't know how to write copy. So do you have any tips on how we can improve our copy? Yeah, I have a lot of tips. Um, there's, uh, I mean, it's, it's one of those high leverage skills that, that, always, that always helps you. I mean, you're, you need copy. You know, people might think, well, okay, well, everything's going to multimedia or you need a video or whatever the case is. But the underlying structure of all of it is still good copy. Um, you know, you need the words that you're going to say in the video or, or whatever you're doing on your site to sell and, and people still think in, in words that create images for them, which, which turn into ways that we can, uh, be a, be a remote control because we don't have that person in front of us that we can sell. So getting good at copy is definitely one of those skills that you need to pay attention to. And, you know, it, it starts from the very basics of, uh, of figuring out you know, what's, what's in it for me kind of stuff. I mean, everybody, if everybody's looking at what's the benefit driven, how, how is this going to help me? And so if you can clearly think about that and put that in your, in your headlines and your subject lines and the ways that people are going to immediately interact with, with your site, um, you know, and, and by the way, you'll, you'll see some really interesting, uh, differences also when you start putting different headlines. So if you have a website right now, just trying a few different headlines or or different email subject line and tracking to see what happens it'll be in, it'll be pretty invaluable to see the differences and there really are different you know different hooks and different ideas that that work better than than others um, same with if you're advertising so if you're running Facebook ads or you're running Google ads or whatever you're doing um, or even you know little newspaper ads just trying trying different different thrusts for the offer for the hook will will have different results for you and it's it's interesting to see that um, one of the best ways that you can keep getting better as a, as a copywriter is find copy that you really like and actually handwrite it 
and uh, so not type it out, but literally handwrite it. So there's a, I don't know what it is exactly, but there's a unique kind of relationship when we actually write by hand that mechanical process uh, puts it into into our brain a lot a lot deeper, I think, than just typing it. Uh, so that's one of the things that I used to do way back when I was, I was studying it. And you know, you you do need to study it. I mean, there's there's formulas involved, and there's shortcuts, and you know, there's obviously resources like we have our instant sales letters resource, and we have a much more comprehensive copywriting program that that we have available if you really want to get great at it. Uh, but it, it takes it takes some work, and you know, the other thing that I would tell people is start developing a swipe file. So. Go find stuff that you really like, or or that you think is working, or or is really cool. And you know you can use, uh, you can take if it's a website, you can turn it into a PDF, and and then save it on your computer, or use Evernote, or or you know for me, I used to have uh, like huge uh, huge files of of all these different ads that that I would use for different things and for inspiration and you know realize that you don't have to start with a blank sheet of paper or blank computer screen um, you you know, go a lot faster if you're looking at something not not necessarily copying but but emulating and maybe taking the big idea from something and and reworking it for your big idea um, that's one of one of the good ways and then you know the more more you can study on it the better it's not it's certainly not time uh time misspent and uh you know a few of the best people that that you might check out that are still still they're they're older but they're still very worthwhile for the digital age uh people like john caples and joe sugarman and uh, you know, depending on how deep you want to get maxwell sackheim and uh david ogilvy and uh there's you know a whole a whole number of them what would you do when it comes to the end where you actually offer your product or service and you reveal the price? How would you stack up an offer so that it's almost irresistible to someone? Yeah, so there's, there's a couple of things to think about uh, with, with price, even like before, you know, before we come up with making that irresistible piece of it, it's figuring out you know, where's, that, where's that 10x value, right? So for the pricing, uh, there's, there's certainly a whole psychology involved in the pricing itself. Let's say we got, we got that semi right and we feel good about it. So as we're presenting it in our copy, there's a couple ways of making it feel like a tremendous bargain. One is what I call the apples to oranges technique. Mm-hmm. And for that it's um so like I worked with one of my personal trainers and helped him with a um we together created this little little ebook one one time, it was probably in two thousand one. Um still surprisingly sells a little bit. We haven't done too much with it in a long, long time. It's called Get Fit While You Sit. And it's a little ebook for I think twenty nine ninety five, I can't remember. And the 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 whole big idea behind it were exercises you can do at your computer or while watching T V and so forth. And when we presented the price, you know, thirty dollars is a lot. If I let them just use that thirty dollars as a they could they could buy other fitness DVDs or other fitness ebooks or whatever the case is. But that's not a good comparison. So the apples to oranges comparison was that we talked about. You know, if you could buy like some expensive uh, home gym equipment for a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars, and it would sit in your sit in your uh, bedroom and basically be used as a uh, clothes hanger. Um, you know, the how much it costs to go to a gym, and then I would add up those prices, so not just a one month what it costs in the gym, but add it up for the whole year for them. Or then we talked about what it costs to have a personal trainer. 
Uh, he's $50 an hour, so but then we said, you know, most people train three times a week with me, so that means it's 150 a week times, you know, so-and-so times uh, four, then times 12, and so you quickly see how that adds up, and then pretty soon uh, the price on the other end becomes, starts looking like a, a distinct uh, bargain for, for the people using it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one way. You also say in your 34 rules, one of them is about premium pricing, that we should use premium pricing because we need to give ourselves the margin to be able to actually deliver a great experience. So in terms of when we're using that technique, we can still charge quite high, but obviously we want to make sure that the value proposition is really good too. So that even though physically it's a lot of money, it seems like nothing compared to the value that you're giving. Well, nothing is a lot of money unless, you know, it all depends on exactly what the value is, right? So, you know, I could charge... $100,000 $100,000 for a single sheet of paper if it really has something on there that, that you believed would, would help you get to, you know, a million dollar business. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely in the value and not in the, not in the price points. Yeah. And having a premium price point allows, like, you know, if, if you're coming to me and we're like, okay, well, we're going to sell so and so at this price, you know, which maybe had a 20% margin or a 10% margin. Uh, but we're going to have a big volume business or we're going to sell at this price and it has a 200% margin um, and we're going to try and uh, make it a little bit more boutique-like, I would always, pretty much always go for the other one that has the high margin because it's more more forgiving. You have an opportunity to go out there and go buy customers and you can spend more to buy a customer. You can deliver a premium experience, as you mentioned here in that role, uh, and you can provide just a, a better total a, better total customer experience than you could if you had a tiny little margin and then you, you're always trying to skimp on, on things and, and, you know, trying to figure out what, what you could and what you couldn't deliver. And at a tiny margin, you can't really deliver too much to that end user uh, except for competing on price. And yeah. there's not that much loyalty when you're only competing on price. Yeah, absolutely. Do the rules of copywriting still apply with things like video sales letters? Is that pretty much copywriting, but then just injected into a video format? That is. I mean, all the all the key fundamentals, um, you know, from psychology to to starting with, you know, if you look at one of the most simplest formulas, which is uh, problem, um, agitate the problem and the solution. So that's a pretty simple copywriting formula that that still applies to video sales letters and to video presentations, right? So you know, stating the problem and then, and then agitating that problem and then providing a solution that, you know, you could use that exact same formula that would still work. There's uh, the other very old formula, which is uh, IADA, which is uh, A-I-D-A, attention, interest, desire, action, um, and that, that still works. And all, all the same stuff definitely still works the exact same. It's just a matter of creating a way that, that works for the platform that, that it's provided in. And how about the launch model as well? You see a lot of the big name gurus using launches. Why do they work? What copywriting and marketing principles are coming into play when someone's doing a launch? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, Jeff Walker's a good buddy of mine, and he's, he's definitely helped to innovate that, that whole launch model for the online space. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a lot of reasons that, that it works, I think. One of them is... You're, you're telling us, the, the good ones anyway, are telling stories of, of how this came about and where this product was. And, and sometimes even having their, their, their customers or prospects co-create the story and the product with them. Uh, and then that creates more engagement. And then 
and then you know they, they there's a big offer and then there's probably some sort of scarcity element involved where, where it might be only open for X amount of time. And and so people are, are always driven by some of these same psychological factors that have driven them since the beginning of time. And one of those big ones is scarcity. Sure. So that if, uh, you know, in, in this limited launch model, the scarcity is either a special price or special bonuses or even the availability of the entire thing going away. And so then that drives it. And, uh, you know, off, off the back of, uh, of a launch, you can get a lot of momentum and, and do a lot of things in, in the marketplace that, that you might not be able to do if you were just sort of fiddling along, uh, you know, day by day, just, just trying to make a one, one, two sales here and there. My final question is, what steps should we take to be seen as a leader in our niche or industry? Because credibility, proof, and having people believe in you is obviously very important if they're going to be doing business with you. So what steps have you taken to position yourself to be seen the way that people see you, Yannick? You want to look at what, what other leaders are doing, right? So mm-hmm. most of them are some sort of thought leader in some way. So they're, they're writing or they're having content put out there. So it doesn't have to be writing. I mean, for, for me, I, I do enjoy writing. So that could be one of the ways that you do it. It could be also video. It could be audio. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Um, so thought leaders are you know, providing providing content in some way that that has has a viewpoint, and hopefully it's not a vanilla viewpoint. And you get some people that are that are totally with you, and you get some people that that think that you're uh, you're totally full of it as well. And that's and that's good. Um, you know, another thing that that leaders do is many times that they will associate with other leaders, right? So one of the best ways, and you know, you're doing it right here, curious, and, and I've done this multiple times, is we'll interview people that that we have some sort of affinity to or like what they're doing. And, mm-hmm. and you know, so I've been fortunate enough to be able to interview some of my, my favorite thought leaders for, who have written books and different things, and, and people are, are very open once they're out there, if they've written a book, to, to be interviewed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that... You, know, you can almost like borrow some of the credibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for us, we've even gone so far as uh, I've been really fortunate where I've gotten to spend now almost close to about four weeks with my ultimate business hero, which is Richard Branson. And so, you know, I, I've been able to formulate some of my businesses and, and create them in such a way that that we're able to provide Richard what, what he wants, which is a big donation to his, to his charity in exchange. We're able to uh, spend a lot of time on Necker Island with him and, and the small group of business owners that I bring. Mm-hmm. And then that, of course, carries over into a little bit of a halo effect that then, you know, reaches beyond that one particular week because, you know, people will make inferences now, okay, well, if he spent a, a week with Richard, then he's, you know, he has some of the same qualities perhaps as, as Richard or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, there's, you're kind of like borrowing that, that, uh, that positioning in a way. And you can do it in in a couple of those multiple ways. Uh, also leaders are, are the ones that are, I mean, they're, they're kind of out there at the forefront and they are, they're kind of experimenting and figuring things out and then usually going back and, and reporting what, what's happened. And you can take the leadership role of, of either a reporter or a creator yourself, or it could be a, a producer, director kind of leadership role. I mean, there's so many different leadership roles that you can assume, and it all 
you know, comes back to what we talked about originally, which is being authentic and, and genuine in the way that, that you present it. Yannick, thank you so much for all the tips that you've given us today. Where can people go to get more of this from you? Probably, uh, probably the best spot is our blog, which is maverickmba.com. Mm-hmm. And like also where you mentioned there, they pick up their copy of the 34 Rules uh, ebook there. And that's a, that's a good read. It is a good read. And I've read it myself and it's well worth downloading. And that brings to an end today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Yannick, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, sir. Thank you. The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.